Hello and welcome to Health Yeah! Brought to you by the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. Promoting health and preventing disease. You can find more information about NACDD at chronicdisease.org. As always, I'm Joseph Rhodes, your friendly podcast producer. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Health Yeah. Today we've got Paige Rowe talking with Eric Kasowski. Eric is the chief of the Population Health Workforce Initiative inside CDC. And there's a lot of great information in this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to NACDD's Health Yeah podcast series on population health improvement. We're excited to have you join us today. I'm Paige Rowe, the Director of Communications and Member Services for the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. I'll be your host today, and joining me is Dr. Eric Kasowski, Chief of the Population Health Workforce Branch within CDC's Division of Scientific Education and Professional Development. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Kasowski. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about the Population Health Workforce Initiative at CDC? How did that get started and why is that such an important part of the work that you do? Sure. Maybe first a little bit of background into the Population Health Workforce branch. We house a number of longstanding CDC uh, training programs, including um, the Preventive Medicine Residency and Fellowship, the Prevention Effectiveness Fellowship, the Informatics Fellowship, and the Presidential Management Fellowship. And we have a couple of, of um, external partnerships where we have done uh, trainings and fellowships um, for health departments. And some of, your, some of your listeners may be familiar with Project Shine, which was um, an informatics and population health training program that we did with, uh, with health departments through NACHO and CSTE. And so these all reside within my branch. And so um, it's important to understand that because it, it, it's sort of foundational to the context of the Population Health Workforce Initiative, which was started out of the realization that both healthcare and public health are, are radically changing. And we didn't feel that the old fellowship model was necessarily meeting our needs for educating the, you know, the next generation of public health workers, and, and by old model, I mean the um, the one fellow, one mentor, one project. And usually, on the scheme of things, it's an it's an important project, but it's but it's relatively small project uh, where only a couple of people are working on it. We didn't feel that was representative of the way that that public health is moving and that public health workers of the future are going to have to work. So we wanted a more integrated, more contemporary learning environment where these fellows of different disciplines were knitted together and, and working together to solve a, a major problem or, or at least catalyze a major problem or program within a within a health department. And what we're finding as we implement this is that what it does is it 
is the Population Health Workforce Initiative sort of places this pod of fellows, if you think of maybe a preventive medicine resident and a prevention effectiveness fellow, which is which would be a, a generally a health economist and an informatics fellow all working together on on one big initiative within a health department, um, they can really help um, that health department catalyze that initiative and move it forward. And in doing so, it places these fellows in a different position within the health department. So they get a different view of leadership at the health department. And in effect, then helps them see sort of the at an at an early stage in their training um, what program development and implementation really looks like at the health department. So we we feel that that was an important move to make, I guess, in the direction of um, population health training. Could you maybe explain a little bit more about why population health seems to be this really important? emerging area in public health. I know that it's been a concept for quite a while now, but um, we haven't had anyone else on the series. So speak to why we really feel like this is such an important area, especially for states. I think it's fairly well recognized that health departments in general are getting involved in areas that they hadn't before. Um, a recent survey by the National Association for County and City Health Officials showed that there is an increase in health policy activities around social determinants of health among the, the NACHO respondents to the survey over the course of basically three years. So in other words, their involvement in policy in education went up from 19% of respondents to 34% of respondents. Um, safe and healthy housing or land use, uh, criminal justice system and policy activities of the health department, again, went up over those three years. So so we, first of all, we know that health departments are getting more and more involved, and but that doesn't really get to, I think, the nexus of your question, which is, which is why. Why are they getting more involved in things like policy in other sectors of government? And that's really because of our state of health in our country. The United States ranks 28th among 188 nations in the achievement of the sustainment development goals. And 28th isn't terrible, but it's also for a country that spends as much as we do on health. It's not necessarily reflective of where where we think we ought to be with health. And in fact, our standing among um, the 34 Organization for Economic Cooperation and development countries on every measure, death rates, life expectancy, diminished function and quality of life declined between 1990 and 2010. And I think it's a realization by um, not just health departments, but by society in general, that we aren't really as a country doing as well as we ought to be doing based on our economic leadership um, in the world and our, our level of development. I think that's what's driving this this movement. And you're seeing a lot of different entities get involved in it. Certainly healthcare is involved in it. Like I said before, health departments are moving more into this direction, largely because there's this general societal understanding that we can't continue um, in the direction that we're going. Thank you for that. I think that really helps to provide context for this. And, and given the number of professional development activities that, that your branch has offered with the fellowships um, that you've described earlier, I'm wondering if you can tell us sort of what, um, what are some examples of some pilots or some, some case studies where you've shown 
how this really does come together. So not only training for the ideal environment through the workforce initiative, but what would it look like, you know, in an actual setting that's successful? Are there some examples you could share? Well, sure. So we're currently engaged in two population health workforce initiative pilots where we've got this pod, you know, for lack of a better term, of fellows um, working on major major initiatives. So I could talk a little bit about those, but then there are some other examples and opportunities that we can talk about as well. But but um, but our two pilot sites are the health department in the city of Denver where our fellows are, are helping that health department um, define the opioid abuse and misuse problem there and helping to position that health department in a place where it can serve as a focal point or a convening body for all of the various different entities um, around the community to come together to talk about how to address the opioid problem. So that's one initiative. The other is in the state health department in Utah where our fellows are um, working with Medicaid and they're they're looking at, at the superutilization rates of Medicaid users um, and helping the health department in Utah devise um, programs to address the um, the sort of the highest burden areas of of Medicaid superutilization. Now, what this project is going to entail, I think, in the future is a, is a lot of intersection between public health and healthcare. And I think this is a theme that comes up over and over again when we talk about po um, population health. Is that many of the activities that we want to engage in in population health are in this sort of intersection between health care and public health, um, but more and more we're also seeing them um, be in the intersection of public health and, and, like I mentioned before, other governmental departments or public health and other community organizations. And so I think, you know, you can look around the country and find a whole bunch of exemplars, I think, of excellence in this population health type of work. One that comes to mind, it would be the Tennessee Livable Communities Initiative. Now, we're not involved in that at all, but this is Tennessee taking the initiative to do population health-related activities with other governmental sectors. Um, another one that we are in involved in at CDC anyway is the 6 and 18 initiative, which I think some of your listeners may be familiar with from earlier podcasts, or um, if not, then um, they can they can look it up the, on the CDC's website. But in a nutshell, it's 18 evidence-based interventions across six health domains that health departments and, and payers in particular can engage in to better address uh, high, mor high morbidity diseases in the country. So if you think about it in that context and, and the Population Health Workforce Initiative, I think that a, a 6 and 18 example would be a good one to um, sort of highlight where, where this pot of fellows might fit in um, to help um, health department kind of catalyze their, uh, um, the implementation of that. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it, it sounds like you know, population health and, you know, some of the workforce initiatives that, that your, your branch and division are leading are really helping state health departments find new ground in the context of things like value-based care, where many healthcare systems are doing, you know, some public health work as well. And how can, how can public health and how can state health departments really engage in that and help get to some of those root causes. Would you say that that's accurate or, or 
what would you um, view as sort of the future state? Yeah, I would say that that's fairly accurate. I wouldn't want folks to think that we're that we're primarily engaged in um, in the healthcare space um, per se. I think that that's that space is is ripe for engagement for health departments. But I, I would say just in in general, the population health workforce initiative. Or one thing we we tried to achieve with it is um, it is 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 we we tried to ask the health departments to think a little differently about themselves and their role in um, as a convening authority. Um, and if you go back to some of the literature on this, um, there there are a couple of documents that I can I can recommend um, for your listeners. Um, one is uh, from May of 2014. It's entitled "The High Achieving Governmental Health Department in 2020 as the Community Chief Health Strategist," um, and this um, this was done by by Resolve as part of the Public Health Leadership Forum. And what they do in this, it's basically a white paper, is outline the activities that they felt were were critical for for a high functioning health department um, of the future and and they they introduced this important concept of community chief health strategist and um, and the and and the attempt to sort of position the health departments in that role now many of them are already there and I don't want your listeners to think that the that the situation's otherwise and, and like I said sort of at the outset um, health departments are increasingly uh, becoming involved in this role, but they, um, but but this concept of of the community chief health strategist for some health departments is a little bit new. And while they they know they would like to be involved in this arena, they some of them aren't quite sure how to get there. And and so we wanted the public, the, or the, rather the population health workforce initiative to assist them in getting there. So so one thing we did with our pilot sites when, as we were developing this is we 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 sort of made this um, um, if you will a condition of involvement we and, and we asked them quite frankly um, you know how this would help position them as you know a community chief health strategist if you will. Um, another um, another paper I think for for folks to um, help better understand this is is, um, is from April 2016 from the American Journal of Public Health entitled Public Health 3.0 Time for an Upgrade. You know, many folks would be familiar with this. It was um, authored by a former acting assistant secretary for health. But in it, the authors talk about public health 1.0, 2.0, and which is kind of the, the current state and, and what their vision for public health 3.0 is. And um, and so that I would just maybe leave it there and let folks peruse those papers for uh, for more background if they if they want to. But both of these papers talk about positioning health departments in this health strategist role, and that's where we we really want the the PH the Pop Health Workforce Initiative to kind of help them do that. That's excellent, and I appreciate you sharing those resources. Um, we'll try to link to those articles when we publish this podcast on uh, chronicdisease.org. And you've mentioned specifically some reading, but if someone wanted, if the state health department wanted to participate in the population health workforce initiative, they had someone they wanted to be positioned um, with a fellowship. What's the timeline for applying? How many spots? Um, Where would they go? 
Right. Um, well, right now it's in um, it's in pilot. The Population Health Workforce Initiative is about two years in in planning, um, and we're nine months into the implementation of it. And so, um, what we're doing right now is is gathering data and refining our methods for doing this. It's not something that's currently open for participation by other health departments, but our our intention is to gather the data and refine our, our methods, and then um, in the future, funding of, if funding's available, um, provide more opportunities for other health departments. So um, I would say that the timeline it would be to maybe look for this in the next 12 to 24 months, potentially. Um, as a, as a potential offering, of course, anything can happen. Maybe uh, you know we'll we'll have an opportunity to, to roll it out sooner. Um, I, I, now I will say this: our, sort of pre, our preliminary results from our pilot sites, it, the feedback we're getting is very very positive, and we're finding that our two pilot sites have told us, in fact, that that it really has. Um, achieve this objective of helping the 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 health departments position themselves in a different you know um, in a different place. I would say stay tuned because this is a pilot and we, we think we're we think we're onto something and 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 hopefully we can get it funded and and roll it out on a grander scale in the next couple of years. So watch this space. More to come on the Population Health Workforce Initiative. Uh, tell me a little bit more for the since we can't um, since state health departments can't apply right now. What are some other suggestions you might have about training or ways that our listeners can advance their skills and knowledge around some of some of these larger concepts and helping them meet these new needs for in public health? There are a couple of things. If you have um, if you have folks who are very early in their careers who are just considering public health maybe as a career field. Um, there are some um, emerging schools of population health that um, that they could look into as, as potential um, places to go get some formal education. Um, one is uh, one is at um, the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Um, that one's early in its stages of development. Actually, it's not that early. They they have a number of programs that are open for business right now. So I think they'll they're accepting applications. There's um, there's another one in New Mexico. Mexico, and I have heard rumors that uh, one, a university locally here in, in Georgia might be considering it as well, but um, but I don't want to say too much about that because I really don't know anything about it. Unfortunately, I, you know, I don't know if there is sort of a population health 101 for public health course out there. It's something that we've considered um, trying to develop a sort of a self-based online learning environment. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to develop that. Um, in the next year or so. Um, so I would say that that for most of your listeners who are already in public health, uh, already know, probably already know something about this topic, um, there are a number of books out there that, that they might want to consider. If they're interested in the, sort of more of the healthcare flavored side of population health, in other words, population health management is the way I would phrase it. There, there's one, uh, there's a book called Population Health, Creating a Culture of Wellness by, um, written by David Nash and others. Um, again, this is very um, sort of designed for folks in healthcare. For public health folks, there's another one that's more broadly focused 
um, entitled Population Health Policy Management Technology. Um, and this uh, was written, edited by mostly by Robert Esther Hay. Um, th those are two excellent textbooks on it. Um, the other thing I would say is that if you really want cutting edge thinking in population health, you, you, you really have to read the writings of Sandro Galea. Um, he's the, the, the dean of the School of Public Health at Boston University. Um, and he's written things from, um, from short editorials to, um, to a number of books on the, on the matter. He's, he's an excellent source what I would consider to be a very forward-thinking public health leader. I'll send you the links to a number of, of journal articles on the matter, including the ones that I mentioned before. Thank you. Yes, we'll, we'll make sure that we have those available um, where this podcast is hosted so that folks can check those out. So let's take a moment and, and go back up to the 50,000-foot um, level for now. We've talked a little bit about the actual implementation of the concept of population health in state health departments, what it would mean for state health department staff to be looking at the program work from the population health lens. We've talked about some case studies of um, pilots that are working, um, that are part of the population health workforce initiative at CDC and how this might work in practice. But let's talk about population health from a bigger perspective for a moment. How do you really define population health in your branch um, at CDC? Let's, let's talk, let's get into that a little bit. We've heard a lot of different definitions in this podcast. So what is your definition for population health? Again, this is complicated and, and I think that um, population health means different things to different people. I think part of the confusion or complication of defining population health comes from the fact that it's really both an outcome and an activity or a set of activities. And so so it's it's sometimes easy to, to kind of confuse the two. So so I, so we've really got kind of two definitions, two operational definitions of population health that we use frequently in, in the branch. On the outcome side, we tend to stick with the classic academic definition um, um, put forward in 2003 by Kindig and Stoddart. Um, and that, to paraphrase, is, is the, the health outcomes of a group of individuals including the distribution of such outcomes within the group. And population health also, in this context, includes um, patterns of health determinants, policies, and interventions that connect the two. So that's the health outcomes definition. The, the activities definition we, we borrowed from the Minnesota eHealth Initiative from 2008, which I think does a really great job of, of characterizing sort of the activities. And they say is population health is an approach to health that aims to improve the health of the entire population. It's addressing a broad range of factors that impact health on a population level, such as environment, social structure, resource distribution, and the relative minor impact that medicine and healthcare have on improving overall health. So I think that second definition helps to frame you know, sort of the space in which we would be working 
as we engage in population health activities. Um, so I, I would say those are the two most sort of concise definitions that we use um, fairly frequently, depending on which, which framework we're thinking of. So when we talk about addressing the social determinants of health, it feels as though population health really has, and you mentioned this or alluded to it a little bit earlier, but really has a strong role to play in addressing those social determinants of health. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really at the heart of the matter. And I think that, um, like I said before, many um, many health departments are already working in this space of trying to um, influence for the better the social determinants of health through policy and, and other activities. I think over time, and largely because of the way public health is, is funded in the United States, we tend to be somewhat categorically defined along, um, along disease states. And especially around infectious agents in, at times. And so that was our attempt with the Population Health Workforce Initiative to get the health department to think about themselves and, and to think about how, how they were going to influence the social determinants of health in their community because, it, because we think that's really where much of the health disparities lie and much of the, the, the U.S.'s relatively low um, health performance uh, among peer countries lies within the health disparities space. Um, so, for example, uh, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's done a lot of work on this, and they've got on their website the number of, of community maps um, that show um, life expectancies around their around various communities. And one of their maps uh, really kind of struck me is Minneapolis, within a, about a three mile stretch people could experience uh, up to 13 years less of longevity. Um, so, you know, in th two communities, if you could picture them three miles apart, one where, where life expectancy is 70 to 75 and the other where it's, it's, it's over 83 um, years. And a lot of that has to do with um, social determinants of health and behaviors that are related to those social determinants of health. So in order for us as a country really to improve our overall health status, um, we've got to elevate these, uh, these communities that are ranked fairly low in, um, in health measures. One of the largest ways to address that, or I think probably most, most effective ways, is to, is to start looking at those social factors that are involved and in, in, in really paramount to um, not only health behaviors, but to the achievement of health in those communities. That's a really great way of looking at it, I think, in explaining this concept to our readers. So, Dr. Kosowski, we're reaching the end of our time with you in this podcast today, and I'm wondering if there's anything else you'd like to share with our listeners. Um, many of them, as you know, are public health professionals working in public health departments. What would be helpful for them to think about or to know to sort of sum up our conversation today? I really think that um, population health, especially focused on social determinants of health, is really the future of public health. And I, I think it's safe to say that, that, that all health departments would love to be more involved in positively affecting the health of, the, of, their, um, of their populations. Um, it's just that oftentimes they can't really get there. So I think that we as, um, as health department employees need to look for opportunities in our own in our own ways to be more active if we can 
as um, chief health strategists um, and to look towards activities like building coalitions that will help influence community policy on a greater scale to really affect health. Well, I think that's a great um, call to action to leave us with. Uh, is there a website that people can go to and learn more about the um, population health branch at CDC? We have a, a website. It's uh, it's actually a little bit under con- reconstruction right now, but you can find us from the CDC's website, and uh, and I'll get you the the direct link to the new website so that you can you can post it for folks. Great. And um, again, we encourage our listeners to to watch this space um, for the Population Health Workforce Initiative. Uh, As the pilots conclude, um, keep an eye out to see what those findings are, and um, we will um, look forward to hearing more from you, Dr. Kosowski, and your team in the next year or two. So thank you very much, Dr. Kosowski, for your time today. I think we've all learned a lot, and uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Well, that was a great episode. And it really shows just how much the CDC does that maybe the general population doesn't really know about. And so it's good to bring that stuff to light. If you'd like to know more information about what we talked about today, all the information is in the show notes for this episode and relating to Eric. And so go check it out. Well, that's going to wrap up another episode of Health Yeah. I hope you found it informative and entertaining like I did. On behalf of NACDD, Thank you very much for listening.